sang 396 earlier. And it was just really moving to hear a body of God's people saying that we know who we believe in. And we're persuaded that he is able to keep us. And I'm thankful for that this morning. The third verse in that song talks about the Holy Spirit and not understanding how he always moves in our lives and how he convinces us of sin and how he reveals Jesus through his word. But I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit and that he's here with us this morning. And I'd like to, to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. Yesterday we were here, many of us working on cleaning up what we consider destruction from the wind. And wind is something that we know about, wind is something we observe, but yet we can't see it. And if we really try to describe where it comes from or or what it is, it can be difficult to wrap our mind around that. But yet we feel the power of it. We observe its effects. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, if it's present in our lives, we will feel the power. We will see the effects of it on our lives. Our church covenant says this about the Holy Spirit, the article on the Holy Spirit. We believe in the deity and personality of the Holy Spirit, that he convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, that he indwells and comforts the believer, guides him into all truth, empowers for service, and enables him to live a life of righteousness. I don't know about you, but for me, in the past, it's been easy to think of the Holy Spirit as kind of it's not really a conscious thought. You don't think of him as a, as a second tier or a lower tier in the, in the Trinity. And sometimes we don't really think about him being, being a person and being an equal part of the Godhead. But he is. He's, he's a person. He's not just a, a thing or a force somewhere. He's a being, he's a person, he's alive and real, and he's equal with God and with Jesus Christ, equal part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is there from the very, very beginning, the second verse in our Bibles. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water at creation. He was involved from the very beginning, and he's been involved in the world ever since. There are a lot of scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit, and I am going to briefly touch on a number of different ones, and then we'll get into a larger passage and and settle in a little later on in the message here. But first, a few verses about the Trinity and the relationship of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. John 15, and John 14, 15, and 16, we have 
Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and sending the Comforter. And John 15, verses 26 and 27, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Verse 26, the Comforter is coming, who Jesus is sending from the Father. We see how those three are interacting there. God the Father has sent Christ, and Christ is sending the Comforter after he leaves. In the next chapter, John 16, verses 12 to 15, I have yet many things to say unto you, this is speaking to the disciples, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Again, we see evidence of this relationship of God. Everything that the Father has is at the Son's disposal, and the Son is giving that to us through the Holy Spirit. He will guide us into all truth. And Paul recognizes this later on. 2 Corinthians, he closes the letter with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Again, aspects of all three. So the Holy Spirit is a being. It has feelings. The Bible says that we can, uh, we're told to not grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve a rock or this building. It's, the Holy Spirit's not an inanimate object. And in Acts 5, Peter says to Ananias and later to Sapphira, his wife, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? Part of the Godhead. In the Old Testament, we don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer in the same way as we have today. But the Holy Spirit was still very much present at times and did dwell in different individuals. Just a few quickly, Joseph in Genesis 41, Pharaoh recognized this after Joseph has said the dreams. It says, Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh recognized the Holy Spirit working through Joseph to tell the dream. Bezalel is a name we don't hear much, but he was the one who was head over the construction of the tabernacle. And it says that God filled him. This is God speaking to Moses here in Exodus 31.3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And it goes on to give all the intricacies of the tabernacle. How else would have he known him, known how to create the tabernacle as 
presumably a normal slave in Egypt, how did, how did these people become acquainted with all these uh, fine ways of metalworking and dyeing wool and all of that? Perhaps they, they learned all of that, but I think God's spirit was directing through Bezalel here in the construction of that. We know the spirit of God was on Moses, and he in turn, uh, when the load became too much, they appointed 70 elders. The Lord came down in a cloud, this is Numbers 11, and spake unto Moses, and took of the spirit that was upon him, and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, it did not cease. We have Gideon, the spirit being on him. And David, after his sin with Bathsheba, pleads in Psalm 51 that the Lord would not take his spirit from him. Jesus was born Simeon in the temple. The spirit tells him that he would not see death before he had seen Jesus. And by the direction of the spirit, he goes to the temple and meets Jesus as he's there on the eighth day to be consecrated. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost even before he was born. The angel tells Zechariah that. So the Holy Spirit has been at work through all of time, not just the New Testament. The Holy Spirit worked through Christ before Acts 2 when all the believers were given the Holy Spirit. The passage that Marlon read this morning of Jesus being baptized and the Holy Spirit in a physical form lighting upon Jesus. And that being a witness to John in John 1.32. John speaking here, John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. God gave the Spirit to Christ as a perfect being. He gave the Holy Spirit without measure. A few chapters later, the end of John 3. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. God gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. And then as we read the Acts account, it starts out with Jesus a proclamation of Jesus that before he was taken up into heaven, before he ascended into heaven, he gave commandments to the apostles through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit was active in Jesus' life in sharing the good news and equipping the disciples. What's this mean for us today? What does, what does the Holy Spirit in our lives look like?
I'd like to get to some practical things here and what, what the Spirit working in our lives really looks like. I think the first thing that the Spirit does is it convicts us of sin. And John 16, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he says as much. He says, and this is just pulling a verse out of that passage. There's, there's more to read there. But when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Titus talks about us being lost. Titus 3, verses 3 to 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Holy Spirit is part of the salvation process of calling us to Christ and redeeming us to himself. People may ask, how do we know that God is real? How do you how do you know that this person and this way of living is worth anything. Why are you living your life restricting yourself, what the world views it as? Why would you do that when you can't see this person who you think exists and you, you feel you're obeying? And sometimes we maybe don't have all the words to explain that. Exactly. But for each one of us who have experienced that, there's something inside us that we can't deny that it's real and it's present. And maybe we can't explain everything fully, but we feel the difference. We feel the spirit in us. John 14 says as much. The world can't receive him. John 14, 17. I'll read verses 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, for ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. No man hath seen God at any time, 1 John 4 says. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. 
Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. The Spirit is evidence in our lives that God is real and that he's at work among his people. So if he's at work among his people, how does, how does that manifest itself in our day-to-day lives? What does that look like for us? I'd like us to turn to Galatians 5. And God covers this very well and explains himself pretty clearly in this passage. So I'm not going to be making a lot of comments on this, but before I read the latter part of Galatians 5, one of the ways that God equips his people through the Holy Spirit, one of the ways the Holy Spirit works in the body of Christ is the giving of spiritual gifts. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 12. And if we can proclaim that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that's proof that we have the Holy Spirit in us. I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 12 before we go to Galatians 5. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge. And it goes on and lists all these gifts that are in the body and different people in differing measure, faith, gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits. But all of these are the outworking of the Spirit, verse 11 says. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's all one spirit that has given each of you here gifts and areas of strength to contribute to the body and the health here. And just because your strength differs from mine doesn't mean any of us is less or more than any other. God has you here for a purpose. And we're called to be faithful in allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us in the gifts he's given to us. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Let's go to Galatians 5 now. And the writer here is taking the the Galatians to task a bit in the preceding chapters 
for wanting to go back to this law of death, this rigid law. And the writer is pleading for the people to be in the law of liberty, but also to stand fast in that, not to use it for selfishness, not to use it for their own gratification, but to love each other. And so we'll break in here at verse 16 and read of this, this tension between what our earthly desires are and what Christ wants for us and how they're often at odds and we have a choice to make of which way we're going to turn, who we're going to obey and follow. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the works of the flesh. Those are the things that we are naturally bent toward. And those are the things that will keep us out of heaven. Keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. But, if we have accepted the Spirit's call on our lives, if we've, our conscience has been awakened and we have received the gift that God has given to us of salvation and the promise of eternal life. This is what it's going to look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. This is not the law of the flesh. This is not the dead law. They do have a position of liberty here. There's no law against doing these things. There's no limit on how much of these things one can or should do. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I think he makes it pretty clear here. We have two ways to turn. We have two ways to live. 
if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, he says. And that's a promise that at different times in my life I've come back to and said, God, you have promised that if I walk with you, you will keep me from falling. You will keep me from sinning. And as we lean on him, as we recognize that there's a war between our flesh and the spirit, our prayer needs to be that we would be led by the spirit and that he would deliver us. So as we look at this list, what what sticks out to you in your own life? Are we fulfilling works of the flesh? Is there any hatred? Is there any uncleanness? Is there any strife or envy? Or things like that in your life, in my life? If so, we're not walking according to the power of the Spirit that's available to us. But it's a beautiful thing when the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives. And of course, we all have room to grow. We all have room to improve. And the Spirit's there to prompt us and show us areas where we do need that improvement. I'd like to close this morning by turning to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 7 through the end of the chapter. And this is speaking of the children of Moses in the Old Testament. But I think there are lessons here for us as well. And verses 7 through 11 are the the Holy Spirit's words. Holy Spirit speaking. Verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And here are words for us today. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? 
And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We have the children of Israel who are rebelling against the leading of God as he was delivering them from Egypt to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. And along the way, there's rebellion, hardening of hearts, testing of God, provoking the wrath of God and the Holy Spirit. You know, we're just as human as they were. And God wants to lead us from where we are to the promised land. Numerous places in Scripture say the the Holy Spirit is a seal or is proof or is evidence that God's promises of heaven are real and that heaven is real and that we can be with Him someday. But on this journey of life, we have a choice. We have a choice to follow Christ. Or we have a choice to go our own way and to harden our hearts. We can wander in the wilderness of sin. Or we can choose to follow. To allow him to seal our hearts. With the promise of eternal life as we obey him. God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit on you and I. He wants to fill us. But He will only fill us as we allow Him to. Jesus in John 7 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. God wants there to be rivers of living water flowing out of us. He wants his Spirit working through us in mighty ways. The invitation is open to all of us to experience that. To come and drink of eternal life. I think it's beautiful that the scriptures that God gave us, which are the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it's part of reading scripture. This this Bible that we have is part of the Spirit's working. It's the sword of the Spirit. And I think it's beautiful that Scripture opens and closes with the Spirit. We have Him involved in creation. We see evidence of Him working through the Old Testament and in the New in powerful ways. And Revelation twenty-two seventeen says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, 
Let him take the water of life freely. So how's the spirit working in you and I this morning? If we haven't accepted his reign in our lives, it's still today. We still have that opportunity. If we have accepted that and we're seeking to follow Christ, we have an obligation to exhort each other, to build up the body with the ways that God has gifted us, and to heed his spirit and allow him to work more fully in our lives. And someday, we can live with him eternally and drink of that water and be around the throne. Let's pray. God, you are here this morning. And you know each heart in this room. And Lord, I pray that each of us would examine our hearts, examine our lives, and you would speak to us and show us where we are submitting to the flesh instead of to the spirit. And if we are clear before you, I pray that you would show us areas where we could improve and draw closer to you and show more fruit and more evidence of you living in our lives. I pray that you would work powerfully through this local body of believers. I pray that each of us would do our part to build up your kingdom, to glorify you. You sent your spirit to bring glory to your son and to you. I pray that we'd be faithful in glorifying you this coming week. And Lord, someday, I look forward to being around your throne with these people. I pray that you would guide and keep each one. And I thank you that because your spirit lives in us, we can be persuaded and we know who we believe in. And we can have faith in you through the good times and the bad. I pray your blessing upon the remainder of this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.